Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I am Steve Norman. I am joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And this week we have a friend because we've got Andrew Brooker. Evening, guys. Our friend from Character Unlock. Yes. <laughs> yes, our new, I suppose, sister podcast. Yeah, that's. What, I've been calling it our sister podcast. Really? Why is it not retarded cousin? Wrong <laughs> yeah. uncle. Yeah. Uncle podcast. Why is it? Yeah. Why is it always a sister something, like a sister ship or a sister podcast? Why is it never like? Why is it sister? <sighs> Matriarchal, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly like what that. it is. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is this is just padding because we've got no news this week again. Because again, nothing has happened, or we haven't bothered to pay attention to what has been happening. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> Lots of film festivals happened, but we weren't invited, so I can't tell you about any of the films. Some trailers have come out, but you've probably all seen them. Um, no one's died, again, which is nice. Yeah, I had a realisation um, the other day. Ronnie Corbett's dead. I completely forgot Ronnie Corbett died this year. I, I forgot Leslie Nielsen died to the BBC, put it on their fucking 10 most <laughs> popular articles about five years after he died. That's still my favourite email from you. Maybe look like a complete idiot. <laughs> That's news covered this week. What? <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's died again. Well, Still, yeah, you, you know, you don't. I think I obviously knew about it when he did die, and then didn't think about it for five years or whatever it was. And then I'm sat on the toilet looking at the BBC News app, top ten most read stories. Leslie Nielsen dies, aged whatever. Oh, yeah. oh, didn't know he died. There we go. I made myself, almost made myself look like a fool if I'd gone oh. to air with that one. Almost, almost. But anyway, yep. uh, we have got a quiz for you. Owen has still not watched the Starving Games, but by the time the end of this quizzing round um, ends, when we get to mm. the best of three, then um, he will have watched it, I guarantee it. Somehow, some way. Yep. yep. Going to inject it into your memories. That, that would be preferable to having to actually sit and watch it, to be honest. If you could just come up with the serum... That I just, you know, drop a, a a little droplet of into my drink, <laughs> knock it back, if, if, and if it's there forever. If, if we can't work out how you're going to watch it, I'm going to just get the script online and phone you up and read it to you. Oh, man. And if you're going to do that, that, that's a live podcast waiting to happen. That has got to happen. You've got to do, like, every voice, like, differently. 
in the film. I mean, Even I, I, extras. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people who've got one line, you've just got to put on a random different accent or, you know, change your dialect slightly. Yeah. Oh, that's We've got to make that happen. You're going to regret saying that. I don't live life with regrets. Excellent. That's good to know. But anyway, so I will have to happen to read the starving oh. game script. <laughs> yeah. on, on to the quiz. Um, Owen has, has prepared this quiz for us uh, lovingly, caringly. And um, hastily, <laughs> yes, and, it, and it's me versus Brooker with Brooker trying to win points for Owen, and me trying to win points myself. Owen, tell us about this quiz. Um, it is yeah. a quiz of questions and answers, like most quizzes. That's, is it um, a quiz that's not a question of questions and answers? Picture round, is, I mean, there's the no question marks on a picture round. It is kind is of a question, though, isn't it? Because they're asking, Who is this? Yeah. Anyway, yes. Um, do you want to start the quiz? Maths, you know. And I suppose you still have to... No, you know, like countdown, when you have the number and you have to work out how to get to it. Is that a question? I suppose so, because you're going, how'd you get that number? Yeah. All right, it's, okay. Here's some numbers. How'd you get that one? Hmm. You could have an instructional question. I'm thinking maybe an anagram Make the highest scoring word in Scrabble using these letters. Yeah. There we go. I have absolutely nothing to add to this conversation. Would you like me a to quiz? come back later? Should I do the quiz instead? <laughs> if, you ha- if you had a quiz full of rhetorical questions, it's a quiz with no answers. Yeah, but is a, is a rhetorical quiz worth playing? Hmm. So, uh... <laughs> Fuck's sake. Right. The first, the first thing you have to do... I'm going to read out some... It's kind of like going back to our old emergency-style quiz, right? It's exactly like that. (laughs) It's exactly like that, let's be honest. I'm going to read out some films, five films, from an actor or actresses... Well, just actors these days, aren't they? An actor's... Sexist pig. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to read out five films from their filmography, and it's up to you to guess who that person is from those films. Uh, I thought it was worth explaining because we haven't done it for so long. People might not get what we're doing if I start reading out random film names and you start shouting actors at me. So, the first one, they will get progressively easier, by the way, these um, uh, film names. First one is the HBO series Show Me a Hero. I've never, never heard, heard of, of that. You not heard of it? David Simon from The Wire was behind it? Never heard of it. Okay, moving on. Second film that they were in was Homefront. Um, James Franco. It's not a James Franco, no. I can't remember two people from Homefront. Unless it's the same Homefront that we're thinking. Statham and Franco is the, is the only Homefront yeah. I know of. That's the one I'm thinking of. Was it Statham? It wasn't Statham, no. So, third film, Star Trek. From 2009. Woo? No. Mm. Okay. Maybe slightly easier now. We'll see. Uh, Mr. Deeds. John Turturro? Th- that would be a good guess, but no, it's not. Okay. I don't think it was in Star Trek. I don't know whether you'll guess them from the Star Trek reference, but they were definitely in Star Trek. You can have a guess, Steve. No. <laughs> All right. Okay, final one is 
Stranger Things. Winona Ryder. Is Winona Ryder? Yes, Brooker. What is, she, what is she doing in Star Trek? Uh, acting. Yeah, like, yeah, who was she in it? Well, I don't know. I mean, the Star Trek films are just mush in my mind. Nothing like the originals, which are very distinctive and things. But anyway, so Winona Ryder. Point one goes to Brooker. Yay. Round number two. Yeah, we haven't got any actual klaxon jingles. Um, bring an air horn next time. We'll have to see what happens. Round two. And the first film that this actor was in was Chappie. Is this it, chronological or is it just the first film you're reading? But first film I'm reading of the Okay, because I always did it chronologically, so I'm trying to, yeah. It's not chronologically, no. When you say first film is in Chappie, I'm thinking of like a child. But if, if you're not doing it that, if you're not doing it chronologically, that's fine. If you can remember children from Chappie um, and their is- names... This then. has just been me padding while I think of the guy's name. Brooke is completely ignoring it all. Is it Shalto Copley? It's not Shalto Copley, no. Ah, who else is in Chappie? Dev Patel? It's not Dev Patel, no. The next film is Ghostbusters, the 2016 version. Spawny Weaver. <laughs> it's Corny Weaver. Yeah, bloody hell. Brooke is on a roll. And you basically won. won. Yeah. You win. It's not even a roll anymore. It's over. (laughs) I mean, do you want to do the last one as you put so much effort in? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. We'll we'll rattle through the final one quickly. Entourage 2015. Jeremy Piven. Nope. Mark Wahlberg. Nope. Ted 2. Mark Wahlberg. Tom Brady. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Wrath of the Titans. There were people in Wrath of the Titans. (laughs) Mila Kunis. Nope. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson, 3 0. <laughs> Fish, bash, bosh, done. Jesus. That's a bit fucking tenuous, isn't it? Him in Entourage. He was in it for all of two seconds, giving Jeremy Piven the finger. Yep. Ted 2, he was credited as customer. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, the next two were Batman Begins and then the A Team. I thought you might get it on those. Well, yeah. But he was he was Zeus in Wrath of the Titans. He was. Have either of you seen those films? Clash of the Titans no. or Wrath of the Titans? No. Which one was the first one? Clash. I've seen that one. I Se- believe I fell asleep halfway through the second one. Yeah. Second one's got... Uh, what's the name? From uh, Gone Girl. Rosamund Pike. Yes. Rosamund Pike. I thought she was terrible in Gone Girl. She's pretty bad in Wrath of the Titans as well. See, I liked her in Gone Girl, but I liked Gone Girl. <laughs> yeah, lots of people did like... I mean, I wasn't one of those people, but, you know. Anyway, so moving on. That's the quiz over and done with after about 20 minutes of starting. Yes, excellent. Um, we've got no news. Uh, news, well, kind of, because we had the trailers from the uh, New York Comic Convention, NYCC. Is that right? I don't yeah. Know. Is it, or is it NYCCC? New York Comic Con. I don't think it's New York City Comic Con. Ah, they've missed a trick then. New York Comic Con. Why can't I just have one Comic Con done? Well, I guess it would make it easier for... Or sync it all up. So have them all at the same time in different places. Like they do with, like, 
Glastonbury, not uh, Leeds and Reading Festival, or V Festival is in two sites. Just have like a couple of places, and all the people have to move around. They can get it all done in the weekend, rather than having to go to San Diego and New York and whatever. Think more importantly, have the people planning to bomb those locations know exactly where everybody's going to be at the same time. Yeah, but they know that anyway, don't they? I mean. Get it all. Get all the talk. Get if no, no, no. Get, this is a, it's a positive. I think it's a good thing. Get all the get all the positive bombing or the trauma, traumatic bombing, whichever psychological bent you're looking at bombing from, Andrew. <laughs> um, get it all done. Get it all done in one weekend, so we can, you know, get all our grief out in one go, rather than have to spread the grief around. Right. Well, there were some trailers that came out of NYCC. See, I'm going to call it that from now on. I kind of didn't bother with a lot of them I wasn't interested in. One I caught because it was just constantly on my Facebook feed. It's one of those situations where I hope that by watching it, it then stops promoting it to me. No. Um, but it didn't work. That was not the case. I'm talking about the Power Rangers movie. Which looks so, so tremendously terrible. It looks mind-bogglingly crap, doesn't it? It looks to I, me... Like a shit version of Chronicle. Yes, That's exactly, exactly what, what I thought. thought. Yeah, like it's I like s- it's like if Chronicle was part of a franchise. It's like yeah. if Chronicle was really Allegiant, <laughs> and, and yeah. that's what we ended up with. It's, it's it's Chronicle merged with some teen lit adaptation that's set in some kind of post-apocalyptic future kind of thing. It yeah yeah. I mean that's what you would uh, kind of. See, is the complete opposite to what Power Rangers was, I mean, though, right? They can they can put that quote on the poster if they want. That <laughs> <laughs> one with mind-bogglingly terrible. Well, I mean, they they just need to stick to what Power Rangers is cheesy, cheesy in camp. Unless they don't want to. Uh, well, yeah. my favourite bit was one of the one of the random Twitter accounts that appeared on my feed, advertising this thing, called it the new dark Power Rangers. Yeah. I was like, oh, just fuck right yeah, that's off. What you want. Can I just have everything I watched as a child, but a dark version? Can I have like a uh, Hey Arnold dark version? A gritty <sighs> reboot of... Would be awesome. A, a gritty reboot of, of Thomas the Tank Engine. That's what uh, Ant-Man was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. All the dark, dark Rugrats would just be child's play, wouldn't it? Is that... Oh, as in like the actual Chucky film? Chucky. Yeah. Uh, I thought you meant as in the actual term child's play. I was trying to think, is, it, is this a pun? Because they're kids? What's the... No, oh, child's play, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to take my shitty jokes and sit over in the corner. It's not you, Brooker, <laughs> it's me. I'm so out of it. Take them to your own podcast. <laughs> You've got your own medium for shit jokes now, now stick them over there. <laughs> I'll, I'll save them all for one that no one listens <laughs> to. It's doing quite well. We've had a... Uh, um, some nice comments back as well about character unlock. Anyway, right. we can we can talk about character unlock later. Um, we better yes. go back to these trailers. But yeah, Power Rangers. It's not a film that needed to be rebooted or something that needs to be rebooted. But it could have been done a hell of a lot better. than what it looks like, it could turn out to be a good film. I was worried that it took uh, a long time in the trailer even to see them in the suits. All that makes me think is there's going to be so much setup and possibly even a case of one of these um, scenarios where you get a, a couple of actors together and they go, yeah, yeah, just, you know, make sure you get my face on screen a lot of the time. 
and you get the director saying, no, no, you need to wear the helmet. That's the point of the character. Yeah, yeah, I'll wear the helmet. Just make sure you can see me for 99% of the time that I'm on screen. But do we? does everything need an origin story? Like, whenever you're setting up something like this, and it's mostly superhero film, do we just do we need an origin story all the time? Um, like, can't I like like for the Power Rangers? Most people know the Power Rangers are five kids, five teenagers who somehow found Zordon or whatever his name and his little robot mate, and he gave them some powers. So why can't we just get into the Power Rangers stuff straight away? And like halfway through, they just have a little conversation. It's like that it says. Oh yeah, last year you know this is different since we got all these powers a year ago or something like that. That's all you need to know. There a year ago they found some powers. Now they're Power Rangers, and they're fighting bad guys. That's all you need to know. It's what every single iteration of the TV show is. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm, no. I mean, <laughs> definitely for. I don't. I really, really was just making a joke. I didn't want to get into a long discussion about <laughs> the Power Rangers. No, but the, I mean the, the show is is terrible. I mean, I think I said last time when the new film was announced, I went and watched the first ever episode of Power Rangers on Netflix. God. Yeah, it's it's pants. <laughs> it's not good at all. And so... It's some of the worst TV ever made. It is, it is. And it's like, this is... This film, I should say. This film is like building a mythology and it means that it, it seems like it's possibly set up to be a franchise. You'd kind of expect it to do that, right? Because that's... Hey, Power Rangers yeah. and Bandai have made all their money, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It looks, it looks awful. It'd probably be awful, but it'll probably make a bit, of, bit of dosh for someone. Okay, uh, what other trailers has there been? Uh, John Wick Two. I'm really disappointed. I haven't actually seen it yet, but I'm, I'm I love the first film. And Brooker, I think you've seen it, haven't you? John Wick Two trailer. Yeah. What can we? Several times. What can we tell from the trailer? Not much. <laughs> okay. Good. Well, good. Yeah. Good. Yes. It, it literally is. It's. It's. Thankfully, it is what it says in the tin, and it's a teaser trailer. It just. It shows, you know, John Wick prepping to fuck off and kill a bunch of people, and in the middle of killing a bunch of people, and that's pretty much it. And his new dog. Oh, good. It's, I'm glad he's got a dog. Motherfucker, best make it to the end of the film. <laughs> I'll be really angry if you don't. Yeah. Or John Wick will be angry. Yeah, but he will. It, it doesn't show much, not at all. But what it does, it I I admit it got me a bit excited for for John. Well, a bit more excited for John Wick too, because I really love the first one, and it's one of the few times I've gone, yeah, I'll I'll take another one of those happily, you know, make it as good, and I'll sit and watch it over and over again. Mm-hmm. It it was just quite well, a nice, well, not nice. There was nothing nice about it, but it it looked good. It was the script was pretty. Basic, but it didn't need to be more than it was. It had some quite cool individual shots and fights and characters, and I thought it was a, a proper good thriller. Um, it was slick, is yep. what it was. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was well paced. It was, you know, really good from start to finish. I wasn't bored at all, and it wasn't over long. I was, yeah, I really, really liked. I want to watch John Wick. <laughs> I've seen, I've heard people. Um, <laughs> lambast it for being this sort of uh you know kind of violence porn sort of stuff where it's just people being shot it's people being brutalized and is that an acceptable thing for a film to to do in but you know well, it, but, it does kind of have that gun porn thing about it but and 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's meant for people who like that sort of thing, and people who are into that sort of thing not supposed to have things that they enjoy. I don't think it perpetuates any idea in society that killing is good. Uh, I don't. No, not in the I don't think it does that at all. In fact, I'd say it does quite the opposite. Yeah, I think. Yeah, possibly. Although you know, there is this whole sort of idea about getting revenge is satisfying sort of thing, but even even that isn't as black and white as it seems. I, I think there is a lot to, to enjoy about John Wick because um, there are a few levels to it that uh, I hope are expanded on with um, with the sequel. I mean, I, I haven't looked too much into it. I do, I believe it's the same writers, the same director. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone from the first one is coming back for the second one. So you can kind of, you can hope and and kind of be a little bit hopeful that, it will be faithful to the first one. So, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. It looks good. Looks like fun. Let's rattle through a few more Yeah. Uh, trailers. Well, I'm going to hand over to you guys. Which ones have you seen, Steve? Um, I saw a teaser trailer for the War of the Planet of the Apes. <gasps> oh, yeah? Um, is it looking? Which is... Well, the, the teaser trailer was just that. It was a teaser trailer. It was kind of like a an image of Caesar created out of something um which was then kind of with a with a bit of um uh, speech from caesar and then it kind of all blew away in like a wind effect um so it was very much a teaser but it was it you know i'm intrigued and excited for the film anyway um but it didn't actually have any of the film in the trailer this is good this is good news for me i'm sick of trailers that are showing everything i mean i know it's i'm a, a, just a teaser but that's um, a positive that it's it's not, you know, showing you everything that you need to know and would rather have yeah. waited to see in the actual fucking movie itself. Do you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> what what yeah. else has there been? I know there was the uh, Iron Fist, the new Marvel Netflix TV show uh, teaser. Did you manage to clasp a glance? Can you clasp glances? Did you no. see it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you manage to, yeah, to, to, it, see, to see it though? I did. Yeah, I thought it looked really good. It's, it doesn't show you much. Again, you know, it's like a minute and a half trailer for a thirteen-episode season of of TV. Got some good fighting in it, and it's obviously it's going to be an origin story for a guy that almost nobody knows who he is. I've never heard of the guy. What I found interesting was they were advertising him as the last defender. Huh. So, which I I don't know if that means that the Punisher isn't going to be a defender? Well, the heroes for hire, I think, were Danny Rand, who's the immortal Iron Fist, and then they had Luke yeah. Cage, and oh, who was the other one? I'm sure they had a woman in it. Uh, yeah, but I'm presuming then for the Netflix show, the defenders are just going to basically be Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Danny Rand, and maybe Punisher? Yeah, I don't know really. I don't know. I don't really mind. I'm just. I haven't seen much of Luke Cage, but I have read a lot of uh, admonishing reviews for it. Oh. Comments, I should say. How, how far yes. are you into it? I've seen the first episode. Thought it was fine. Intrigued to watch more. Just about finding the time for me. But I'm I'm about half done. Yeah. And uh, how's it going? Yeah, I like it. Well, it. I tell you what it is. When you watch it, it's a black exploitation show. Yeah. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. It's, it's Spike Lee may as well have made this fucking show. Yeah, you know? it could have Pam Greer in it, sort of thing. 
Yeah, pretty much, you know. But it's all it's set in Harlem, and it's about a, a massive black guy who looks after his neighbourhood. I don't know what people are expecting. You know, <laughs> I, I, it's I'm I'm enjoying it. You know what I've seen of it. I, I've not. I'm annoyed I haven't finished it yet because usually I like to binge the the Marvel stuff as it comes out and get it all done quickly. But I've been busy, so I haven't had a chance. Yeah. I'm not too pissed that I haven't finished it but I am a little bit anxious to get to the end. <laughs> I suspect it, though. I mean, you say that it's one of these that you've not really had time for. I suspect if it was the Punisher series, you may have found time for. Is it just that... If, if, it, if it was the Punisher, I probably would have stayed up late the night it came out and watched the entire thing in one go. Yeah, whereas this is not doing that for you because either it's not something that interests you in the first place, do you think, or is it just that the show's not wrapped I don't think it doesn't interest me because, I, I mean... I, I've said it a million times, I don't know much about these characters. But Luke Cage, obviously, I know from Jessica Jones, which I really liked. And I like his character. And I'm, I am really enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. Like you say, if it was The Punisher, if, you know, if it was the Frank Black... Frank Black? Frank Black! Frank, yeah, if it was the Pixies. <laughs> if it was the Frank Castle TV show, I would absolutely... I'd have been on it and, like, matchsticked my eyes open to get to the end. Yeah. But, you know, no, it's, it's not as exciting for me as the Punisher TV show. But that's not to say it's bad in the slightest. Okay, fair enough. Well, the only other um, trailer then I want to just squeeze into this uh, new section before we move on. Uh, I think it's the new uh, Resident Evil trailer, and you you've taken exception to something there, Booker. Well, I have because the well the thing with Resident Evil is I assume everybody's seen at least one or two of these films. Mm-hmm. You know. We all know what Resident Evil is, and we've all seen a couple of the movies. I mean, I've seen all of them several times over. So to go to Comic-Con and to advertise that, you know, we're doing a new trailer, and for me to see this trailer and it just be a smash cut of two minutes worth of the old films is actually horrendously shit. You know, you've shown me no new footage of this film at all. And I know a lot of people don't care for Resident Evil. They're pretty shit films, but... You know, I like them, and I'm quite excited for the new and what should be the last one. Show me some of the film. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm all for films. I'm all for trailers not spoiling the film, but show something. At the moment, what it looked like to me is it looked like one of these fan-made, you know, pretend-to-be-leaked trailers that you see on YouTube a month before an actual film trailer comes out. Ouch. And it was just, it was really shit. It really annoyed me. <laughs> well, we'll keep our fingers crossed then, I guess, for the actual film when that gets released. The film's going to be wank, I'm almost certain, <laughs> but I'm still going to watch it, yeah. and I'm still going to enjoy it, because it's Resident Evil. To start what we've been watching, Owen spoke to Elliot Beverly of the Super Pixels podcast radio show um, <laughs> yeah super pixels radio yes. podcast which is kind of all about games and tech and uh, they gave us a little bit of a plug over on their recent episode which you should obviously go and listen to because it's very funny and very insightful into the games industry i'm sure it complements character unlock which you've watched recently have we plugged that enough we haven't plugged that enough which you know <laughs> you can go and watch uh, or listen to um again listen to them both back to back why not make a double bull of it and uh, so, yes, I spoke to Elliot about Kubo and the Two Strings. Hi, Elliot. Thanks for uh, joining us on the Fail Critics podcast today. Um, 
why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself before we move on to talk about Kubo and the two strings? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, firstly, thank you very much for having me on. I'm Elliot, um, as you've as you've just said, and uh, <laughs> I host or co-host the uh, Super Pixels Radio tech and gaming podcast. And believe it or not, I actually also like movies. So uh, yeah, you've you've written a few movie reviews, I think that I've read. Yes, yeah, The Jungle Book uh, was one. Yes, I, I remember. Wrote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just something that I've. I mean, I've always been quite a big fan of of movies. And uh, yeah, Kubo and the Two Strings was something that I initially saw the trailer and I thought. Hmm, that looks kind of, you know, a bit, I guess, generic. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of animation films around at the moment, like mm-hmm. DreamWorks and, and Minions and stuff like that. They've really kind of took off, and it seems to be quite an easy way of making a lot of money and appealing to kids these days. Definitely, yeah. And I sort of thought, I'm not interested in this. And then I saw, I, thought, I can't remember what movie it was that I went to go and see, but I saw, like, an extended trailer, and I thought, Axe, like, mm-hmm. you know, really looks quite interesting actually yeah it kind of looks a bit like a claymation almost yeah yeah so it's um it's the same um studio that made films like Coraline mm-hmm. if you've seen that but yes, it's yeah. uh, mostly mostly stop motion mm-hmm. so yeah you can kind of tell because everything in the film it's very like textured everything looks like it's kind of made of paper or you know you can you can see all the kind of grooves on everything although it's obviously a very high uh, frame rate you can tell that it's stop motion because you can sort of see a bit of i guess kind of deliberate sort of jaggedness in the uh, animation but it gives it a very kind of like handmade style to it but everything about the film and uh, this is what made it really appealing to me i guess is that it's just really like it's really unique in terms of the style and also the plot like there's nothing really out there that's very similar to this film it sounds like a very sort of generic plot really it's like this uh it's a japanese ancient japanese sort of samurai story um, it's about a kid called Kubo, the uh, the main character, and uh, it's kind of about uh, the story and the relationships with his family. But it's it's done in a very kind of atypical way. So the villain, straight off um, straight off the bat, is his grandfather, uh, and the uh, the two other sort of villains in the film are his aunts. So that's firstly quite a sort of unusual setup, and it's it's kind of about his relationship to his parents. I'm not going to spoil it, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just very interesting the way it's done, and it's it's kind of done in a kind of quest uh, style film. So he's got to get this um, armor and this certain sword and so on to to defeat the uh, the evil. But it's just there's a lot of sort of twists and turns that I didn't really see coming. And something else that I, I'd praise the film for really is it's very serious. Like it's it's this obviously family friendly film, but it's not full of kind of childish jokes and and fart gags and stuff. You know, like you get in all these family friendly films mm-hmm. it's it's a lot more yeah kind of serious oh right okay i didn't i didn't really get the serious vibe from the um the trailer that i saw i, I mean I, I got the sort of family aspect to it obviously because um that seems to clearly be what the, the story is about but it seemed quite um i won't say quirky I uh, no, I do kind of want to say quirky, but it had the the guy in the beetle armor sort of rolling around on his back and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the comedy relief character. Um, right. And and it's not that it's you know it, it is lighthearted in places, but it's it's I think it takes itself a lot more seriously. And it deals with qu- some quite serious uh, themes. Mm-hmm. So his his mother, for example, is is quite. Um, I think she's got like PTSD or something. She's she's you know quite traumatized, and this little kid is like looking after her in the beginning of the film. And it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, this is starting off pretty deep 
and uh, quite a serious, you know, serious topic. How do they handle that then, do you think? Does it seem to be handled quite sensitively or is it kind of basic? Because to me, when I think of something like this that's trying to deal with a serious topic, I immediately think, well, Pixar do that and they do it very well. You know, something like Inside Out deals with uh, very serious uh, themes about being a child and being part of a family unit and all that kind of thing. And they do it remarkably. So I'm automatically, whether that's a good thing or probably a bad thing, comparing it in my mind to something like that. And is that healthy? Do you think that's going to help or is that going to put people off or or what absolutely i I think um yeah if you're talking about animation it's it would be a crime not to mention pixar because as you said they they do touch upon a lot of very serious and and very varied topics uh very well and yeah i'd say that in the same light that pixar deal with those issues uh, i'd say kubo uh, achieves that okay so what is the comedy like because is it very similar to something like Coraline or um was it Corpse Bride as well? I think they had a hand in people behind yes, it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's um just a little uh, pub quiz fact here. Um Travis <laughs> Knight is the is the director and uh he is his is his debut as director, but he I think he animated on Coraline and, and uh, I think Box Trolls and films like that. Okay. Right. Was he yeah, in, the... involved with Paranorman as well? Was that him? Yes, yes he was, yeah. Yeah. I kinda liked Paranorman. Yeah, they're all kind of these quite quirky, kind of kind of dark, but kind of playful at the same time sort of films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and in a similar light, this is there's a couple of sort of creepy characters and creepy scenes, but I wouldn't say it's obviously it's not like scary, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, go, going back to the the comedy sort of elements to it, um, yeah, this this Beetle character who I think he's uh, he was voiced by Matthew McConaughey. Yes, and uh, it was one of those things where all the way through the film, I was like, is that him? <laughs> and in the credits, oh yeah it was it was mm. um but yeah he, he's kind of it's not it's not this kind of comedy that's in your face and, and, and annoying it's just sort of there it lightens the mood a bit and then they move on it's not kind of they, they don't harp on it for too long yeah and that's what i think kind of distracts from a lot of these kind of family friendly movies and obviously at the end of the day it is kind of more tailored to kids but i mean i obviously still got a lot of enjoyment from it i usually think you can judge a film like this these sort of family animated movies by whether there's a dance number at the end you know if they, if they break into song and dance it's usually primarily for kids i think when it's if they avoid having a, all the characters just throw down to ronan keaton or something then usually they there's a bit more substance to it <laughs> yeah it's very crude measurement <laughs> but, no, I, I get you um yeah don't quote me on this but as far as i can remember there wasn't a dance scene okay maybe it was post credits Maybe yeah, a yeah. stinger at the end. Yeah, I have to admit, I didn't stay for the entirety of the. Uh, <laughs> so we may yeah. never know. Mm. In terms of the overall quality of the film, then were you, were you were you satisfied with it? Did you think it was it was good, bad, or? Um... Yeah, very much so. I, I'd mm. absolutely recommend it. Uh, I'd say it's it's got a very broad appeal. I think that if you're into any kind of storytelling, and and especially kind of like the if you know what I mean when when I say something like the quest, the idea of the quest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of storyline uh, you'll definitely get something from this it's, it's got a lot of kind of your usual tropes of you know um, big big battles with big creatures and stuff like that and um, but as well as that it's got a lot of it touches on a lot of themes that films especially family for uh, family friendly films don't really touch on it's got a lot of layers to it and as well as that it's you know it's aesthetically very nice and the music's great and everything yeah, I, I can't really pick any major flaws with it really it's all around pretty stellar that sounds really awesome. I mean, it's um, one of the things that struck me from the 
the trailer and the, the fact that a film like this is being made in America is, I mean, America and Japan, in terms of the cinema output, have always shared this kind of toing and froing of things, you know, with John Ford and Akira Kurosawa, for example, swapping from Western to samurai movie and back again. Um, yeah. And then quite recently, of course, in terms of animation, the big thing that's come out of Japan is Studio Ghibli. And so we've seen a couple of films like this now from America in a similar kind of style, I think, with um, Big Hero 6 that came out. And now we've got um, Kubo and the Two Strings. Do, do you think there's any anything there? Am I pulling on a thread that doesn't exist? Or does it? do you feel like it's a it's actually genuinely trying to pay, play sort of an ode to Japan or is it oh, just a kind of caption yeah, yeah, sort of thing? Definitely. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely films where this, yeah, this idea of, um, you know, another culture or, or mm-hmm. whatever is being kind of almost caricatured in a way. And, and this, I feel like it isn't, you know, it's not token. It's not like, oh yeah, we've got samurai. We've got, uh, you've got, we've got the old man tick, you know, it's not all these kind of things that need to be there. It's yeah, it feels genuine and it feels, um, especially because of the way that it's stop motion as well. It feels like hand handcrafted and handmade, mm. which kind mm. of plays off to, to its strengths really there. Gives it a nice sort of aesthetic, I suppose. That, um, well, that will also make it stand out, I guess, from a lot of, uh, sort of Eastern Japanese, kind of films because typically i don't think they've got the budget to afford to do a big studio film like that no um, that's that's one thing so. that i was gonna say actually is is that it, i honestly i can't imagine how much time and effort must have gone <laughs> into doing this yeah because i mean okay obviously bits of it are cgi but for the most part like all the environments and all the characters are all handmade and hand animated yeah it's usually like some of the facial movements isn't it that they cgi like uh blinking and stuff i suppose <laughs> Yeah, and uh, right at the beginning of the film, I think there's like a massive tidal wave, and I was like, "There's no way that that was all, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, shot for shot, like stop motion." There's no way. Yeah, and it's terrible when you do. You remember the Ardman Studio when that burnt down and they lost all that stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, those were all those were all like, you know, literally the props that were used, you know, the character models that were used in the films. Yeah, yeah, that was tragic, that was, but, um, all right, well, it sounds like, I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to, to say about Kubo before we, uh, we move on? Um, I think I've said more or less what I, I needed to say, really. I think, um, I'd just like to say, really, it's been a, you know, a good year for, for animation, because I think two of my favourite films this year have been this and The Jungle Book, which obviously is partly, um, live action, but obviously a lot of animation there as well. And I think, mm. obviously, that, I think they're being taken more seriously now. Yeah. Oh, well, we touched on this last week a little bit um, on the podcast. We talked about uh, The Lion King. So I guess from the fact that what you've just said about Jungle Book, are you excited for The Lion King remake that's apparently coming out? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see. Cause I think it's the same director in the same studio, yeah. isn't it? So, they're doing, yeah, yeah they're mean, doing the same thing as Jungle Book, I think, but with The Lion yeah. King. Well, I, I think that, that will go down well. Um, I, I've got to say I'm, I'm a bigger fan of the original Jungle Book than I am the original Lion King. But having said that, I mean... Yeah, I don't really see how they can go wrong with it, to be honest. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Elliot, and uh, thank you very much for jumping on and helping me fill this segment because otherwise I would have had nothing else to talk about this week's podcast. So if for nothing else, you've saved my bacon. So um, thanks very much. And do you want to just tell people again where they can find Super Pixels Radio, what it's kind of about, that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So Super Pixels Radio um, is a is a fairly young podcast, slightly younger than yours. But uh, yeah, it's if you're into you know gaming, technology, media, and uh, bad puns, 
then uh, <laughs> you can find us at Super Pixels Radio uh, if you search us on iTunes or Spreaker uh, or Facebook.com slash Super Pixels Radio. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. So back to what Arslot have seen for what we've been watching. And um, Brooker, what have you seen this week? So I haven't seen much, but what I did do was I, I bought the extended edition of the new Lady Ghostbusters film. I mean, we, we spoke about it quite a bit when the film came out, so I, I won't go into too much detail. I will say the extended edition seemed a little bit pointless. Yeah? In what way? Well, it's about... I think I, I think I timed it. It's about 17 minutes longer, 16 or 17 minutes longer than the theatrical version. Uh-huh. And only about half of that is actually stuff worth watching. There, you get a little bit more Charles Dance, which is kind of cool. And, you know, the extra bits he's in are quite funny. More so, I suppose, if you follow American sports, there's like a, a massive kind of anti-Yankees bit in it that I thought was really funny, but will probably land quite flat when it comes out over here. Yeah, you know the, the, the dance scene with Chris Hemsworth? that You get the entirety of that instead of just the end bit, which is quite good, to be fair, because the couple of times I watched it in the cinema... When you get to the bit with Chris Hemsworth and his and the dancing crowd in New York, it just kind of it's there and ends with no real explanation. So you get to see it start and go all the way through this time, and it's it's a bit better. But the rest of it, silly jokes that fall flat that aren't particularly good, extra little bits where they add less than nothing to the film. I I do reckon about half of the extra stuff they could have just left out, and it it wouldn't have mattered at all. But the extra stuff that was in there that was good was worth watching what i liked a lot and this is kind of why i bought it and i will possibly get people called on me for doing it but i wanted my little to watch it just to see how how she would react and how, how little is she what how old is she Brooke, just so people She's listen. three three okay and how what was her reaction to it she fucking loved it yeah yeah <laughs> She didn't jump at any of the scary bits, which impressed me a lot, considering she jumped yeah, out of the jungle book. I remember thinking it was pretty scary at the beginning for, um, for yeah, what it's, it is. It's definitely got... I mean, same as the, the originals, though, hasn't it? It's got that yeah. kind of thing where it's it's PG scary. But no, she didn't... Like, when we sat and watched Jungle Book together, she hid behind me <laughs> a couple of bits. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and, and we got none of that, which I thought was impressive. And what I, what I liked even more was she seemed a bit disappointed that there weren't that many ghosts in it. And wanted more, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of proud. So next year, next Halloween, Rob Zombie films. But yeah, I mean, the, this is kind of it, it's weird and like because she watches like all his music and all his music videos are fucking bizarre and weird and creepy and she watches all of those with no issues at all. I'm not saying for a second I'm actually going to show her any of his movies. <laughs> yeah. but it it did leave me quite confident in being able to sit her down in front of say. Ghostbusters, yeah, and and her not run a mile screaming, but yeah, and she really liked it, which was pretty much the point of me buying it. You know, I, I wanted her to enjoy. It. It's really the brightness has been upped. I did for a while. I thought it was my TV. My TV is perfect for everything else, but the brightness has been upped for some reason for the digital version. And man, it's it looks like remember that Disney's uh, haunted mansion? <laughs> yeah. And the really shitty, ultra-colourful ghosts. Mm-hmm. It it did look like that until I adjusted my settings a bit. <laughs> but, no, it was good. I like it, and kid liked it. It's all I want, and I'll watch it again when it comes out on Blu-ray, and maybe she'll watch it again as well. I, you know, I was happy with it. I was, I, my, the important thing for me is I was happy with the reaction she had to it. 
I, I wanted her to sit and enjoy a silly film that's about as close to horror as I will let her get at three years old. Um, so I have seen The Martian for the first time since its cinema release at the end of last year, beginning of this year. Definitely around that time because it was it was Oscar nominated, I believe. So it's definitely around that time. Um, I remember enjoying it very much and being a fan of the book, but couldn't quite see how it fitted into the kind of Oscar category nominations. It didn't quite seem the right kind of film to be Oscar nominated, although it wasn't kind of an action blockbuster, as what you might think describing the film as a rescue mission to save a man stranded on Mars might be. Um, it was a bit more than that, but it, it just didn't seem to be, not even Oscar-worthy, like Oscar-ish. Yeah, I know, I know exactly sense. what you mean, yeah. Um, but I thought Matt Damon was, was very good as Mark Watney stranded on Mars on his own, so often acting with nothing else, he's isolated, so it's one of these isolated on his own. He's not acting with any... Uh, any other people he's not acting with any not even any cgi or any kind of uh you know cgi animals or creatures or robots or whatever he's just he's just him and he does very well at that and then the rest of the cast are just purely supporting cast no matter if it's a, a big name like um i think it was jessica justain or if it was michael penner or sean bean or uh jeff bridges or whoever it was they were just they were purely supporting class cast and nothing else I mean, they were good, don't get me wrong, but they, they didn't have any kind of big role in the film. They were barely fleshed out as characters. But that's not what the film's about. It's not what the book's about. The book is, and the film is purely about Mark Watney and how he survives on Mars. And he is quite an interesting character as well. And I think his personality being quite cocky and arrogant and funny helps the film along. If he was a more dour, bland character, the film would be just boring because a lot of it in it is him talking about the science of how he's going to survive and what he's going to do to make himself survive. But like I say, it's his personality that makes that not boring. I kind of had it down. We talked about this last week. I have The Martian down as a 7 out of 10 sort of film. And that it's fine, it's good. It was. Uh, I didn't regret watching it. I'd give it a, a quick recommendation to people if they want a non-epic sci-fi kind of thing. But... Uh, it, you know, I could happily go the rest of my life without ever seeing it again. Yeah. It's just one of these that's... I think... I can't, I can't remember what phrase I used exactly, but I basically said that Ridley Scott has got two different aspects to him as a director, I think. And one of those happens to be Hollywood studio Ridley Scott. And it's very much a Hollywood studio Ridley Scott film. It just feels very yeah, yeah. polished, big studio, big budget you know, not necessarily lacking ideas, but clearly an adaptation of something else. But even even the worst made-for-studio Ridley Scott film is still better than a lot of other films. Well, you say that. I mean, <laughs> uh, I know people who would deny that. Uh, I know Robin Hood. For the most part. Yeah. Right? Robin Hood was a bit shit, but still I found it watchable. You know, mm. but yeah. I, I have to admit I really enjoyed The Martian. I was thinking about this recently, actually, with Ridley Scott. It's He's one of these directors that I think I like, and then every so often I look through his filmography and think, do I, though? I mean, Alien is his best film. Blade Runner's close behind, but 
but really, is it, is he really one of these guys that I actually hold up and say he's a you know good example of a one of Britain's best exports? But 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 is he really? I I kind of it's almost blasphemous to say but I kind of preferred his brother. Yeah, totally. because his brother didn't fuck around and just made junk food films. Yeah, and again, even his junk food films were usually really good. Things like. True Romance and Man on Fire were fucking outstanding. Mm. I like Scott films, though. You know, I liked Alien and Blade Runner up there. Top Gladiator, one of the, I think, personally, one of the best films ever made. I I forgive Ridley Scott a lot, I think. And The Martian, I think, is one of his good ones. I'm looking through his filmography now. Right, So everything that's <laughs> been released so far. Um, just quickly, like an out of ten from both of you. Using the system we came up with last week, Steve. Yeah. If you were going to give it a, a mark out of 10, and you, Brooker, we'll go with The Martian. Steve? Um, seven and a half. Brooker? Yeah, I'll stick with that, seven and a half. Exodus, Gods and Kings? I've <laughs> seen it. One. One, yep. The Counselor? I've not seen The Counselor. I didn't mind it, but I've, I know lots I've, of people I've, hate I have it. Not, I have not seen The I Counselor. I didn't even realise that was him, to be honest. Yep. <laughs> uh, Prometheus? Five seven. out of ten. Oh, five and a seven. Okay. Uh, Robin Hood. Five. Four. Body of Lies. Seven. Seven. Seven and a half. American Gangster. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Blimey, you've gone very high on American Gangster. I thought it was the most boring piece of tosh. Anyway. I really like American <laughs> Gangster. Well, uh, A Good Year. I haven't seen that one. No, I've not that, seen that. Yeah. Is that the one with the tyre that kills people? Good year. <laughs> oh, dear. No. Uh, All the Invisible Children? No idea. The fuck is that? No, not seen that. Kingdom of Heaven? Um, Six. Six and a half. About five, but isn't a director's cut meant to be a lot better? Yeah, yeah. The director's cut is a lot better. Oh, so what are you rating there, Brooker? Are you rating the director's cut? cut. Yeah? Yeah, I call the director's cut six and a half. Wow. Okay. I've heard people refer to the original as a very low-scoring film and then rate the director's cut much higher. But I wouldn't give the director's cut eight or nine <laughs> purely because you're fixing a very shit film. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, we'll go through. I'll just pick out a couple of the bigger films now. Black Hawk Down. Ten. That's uh, eight and a half. All right, Gladiator. Ten. Ten. G.I. <laughs> Jane. Seven and a half. I really like Seven G. and a half. I don't think I've um, seen G.I. Jane. G.I. Jane is worth it just to see Demi Moore yell, suck my dick, <laughs> at, the dude, at the dude from uh, Eastern Promises. Thelma uh, and Louise. Eight. Uh, seven? <laughs> All right, I can see we're struggling now. Okay. Ten and ten for Blade Runner and Mate, Yeah, obviously. Obviously. Would you agree with that, Steve? Yeah. Are you a Blade Runner fan? I know it's very divisive, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I am, I am a Blade Runner fan. Yeah, awesome. So, Legend, the Tim Curry, Tom Cruise... Uh, fantasy thing. I couldn't comment. Um, I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid. Yeah, I I can't remember it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's basically ticked off some of the recent ones and his sort of bigger classic films. I mean, going through them, there were very few there I would consider great films, to be honest. I mean, once you get past Alien and Blade Runner, I'm scratching my head a little bit. Gladiators, <laughs> not really done much for me either. Uh, yeah, wow. yeah. I don't know. I would definitely go. If I had the choice between watching Alien, Blade Runner, or 
Last Toy Scout and Top Gun. <laughs> Just off the top of my head. <laughs> it would be Alien and Blade Runner. If it was Gods and Kings and Robin Hood or Last Boy Scout and Top Gun, <laughs> then it would be those two. <laughs> oh dear, that was a terrible segment. Let's never revive that again. No. A couple of new releases for us to go through with you now, and they will be Supersonic, the Oasis documentary, and uh, The Girl on the Train, the, the latest new big book adaptation starring Emily Blunt. I'm going to start us off because I'm the only one who's seen the Oasis documentary. I enjoyed it very much, but it's completely pointless because, because it tells you nothing new. If you're a fan of Oasis or if you followed the Britpop era or if you followed Oasis or if you you kind of know about pop culture from the 90s or whatever. This tells you nothing new about the band, their popularity, their rise, how they got you know, their record deal, the relationship between uh, primarily Noel and Liam, but the, but the, the other band members as well that they've had, um, how, much they, you know, how much they fought, how much they enjoyed what they were doing, the, the lifestyle they were living. It tells you absolutely nothing new about it, but seeing the footage of them... From, from back in the 90s, um, just generally having a laugh and enjoying what they were doing so much is brilliant. Liam and Noel, for very different reasons, are just very funny people. I could listen to Noel talk about his career and his and the music business and his relationship with Liam all day. He's a very funny person, but he's also you know, quite straight and honest with what he says. I loved Oasis. I still do. They're one of my favourite bands of all time whether you two agree or think that's stupid, whatever, don't care. I grew up listening to Oasis, so it's just very nostalgic for me. It probably is for a lot of people who watch it. While it was a very enjoyable documentary, while it is very, you know, maybe reminisce about earlier times in my life and listening to Oasis and going to gigs and everything, yeah, it, 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 it told me nothing new. And that's all you can say about it, really. If you like Oasis, if you like Britpop, if you like the Gallaghers, you will like this, you will laugh, you will have a nostalgic buzz about you when you finish watching it. But it doesn't give you any great insight into either person or the band or anything that went on. That's a shame. Seems like it's a missed opportunity, really. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you can, I suppose the people who made it can only get as much out of it as what Noel, Liam and the band members are willing to, to put forward. Perhaps, you know, the, the documentaries like Amy was such a success because they were able to get more insight into her than what perhaps... That makers of this documentary were about Nolan Liam. And whether that's because maybe Winehouse has passed on and she passed on in such tragic circumstances, or maybe it was just genuinely the people who knew her were more, more open with the information about her, um, I don't know. But, yeah, perhaps it was a missed opportunity. But I say you, know, you can only really get out of it what the people involved are willing to put in. There is part of me that thinks, well, it's their duty as these documentarians to get more out of them. But... Uh... I yeah. suppose when you're up against someone like Noel and Neil, like Noel and Liam Gallagher, that's probably easier said than done. I, I thought the the press conference with Liam from the premiere was was very funny. Yeah. When they said, "Are you upset that Noel's not here tonight?" and he said, "No, but I bet he'll be here if it wins a bloody award." Him and all his trendy mates. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. So on to the review of the new uh, adaptation of um, uh, a book that's gone to the big screen. And it's all the rave. I suppose it's a hit book, The Girl on the Train. Um, you two have seen this. Do we have to? 
<laughs> well, but I know you've reviewed this on the website. We are of similar opinions, I think. Before we um, before we go any further, it probably best to say now. Mm-hmm. Have either of you read the book, and did you like the book? If you have read it, no. I am about halfway through the book, and I'm liking it so far. I tried desperately to finish it before the film came out, and I just I couldn't. Just life got in the fucking way as it always does. Are you going to go back and finish it? Now you've seen the film. Yeah, I hope it finishes. Hope it finishes better than the film. <laughs> for for uh, me, watching the film very much felt like an adaptation of a book. Really, just felt like cramming of material into a, a less than two hour film. The thing is, right, all that stuff at the beginning when it keeps showing up names and different yep. times and all that. That's all in the book. Mm-hmm. That's all in the opening chapters of the book, and it works so much better as a book. Mm. Well, I'm sure when it says the book, it's because you're getting like how you're telling the story would be from this person's perspective, right? Each bit is being narrated by that person. Yeah. And here, it's just no. It it fell over for me quite badly. Yeah. Well, that's the problem with a film in in that it's always your perspective, you know. You can see the character, I mean, unless you actually physically have a character, well, not physically, but literally have a character narrate what's happening, uh, you're always seeing events from your own perspective, whereas a book would be told in the voice of that person. So it's a, it's a very difficult thing for them to try to have attempted to do, uh, and without reading the book, so I can't comment how well it actually works in the book, um, but it sounds like from your uh, opinion there, your comment there, that they're but like I say, I, I haven't finished it, and I will definitely, I definitely want to finish it, mainly because I paid for the fucking thing and I've had it so long <laughs> I can't turn it on uh, my Kindle. Mm. So I'm definitely gonna, gonna finish it. But yeah, the it, it's always the way though, isn't it? The, the book's better. It's, it all, it was always gonna be, but this, I mean, this for me was a disappointment on like child forty four levels of adaptation. Oh wow. I hated that adaptation as well for the same reason. It just it completely fucking ruined the book. Although this Child 44 wasn't as badly directed and edited as this film was. I mean, I thought that it was fairly competently direct. I mean, in the sense that I didn't, it didn't seem like there were horrendous edits or it didn't seem like there were awful shots or they'd, you know, I don't know, it just seemed to be a bit blueprinty. And I think, well, we haven't even really described the plot. And it's based, it's a mystery thriller, isn't it? So you can't say too much about it, except to say that every day, Emily Blunt rides a train to New York from her home. And the train stops outside a house on this street every day that she stares out of her window and looks at and has imagined a life for these two, this couple that live there. And one day, this perfect couple that she's created this fantasy world in her head for, uh, she sees the woman in the relationship having what she sees as like an affair. And it, she's already kind of a bit unhinged. She's an alcoholic. It pushes her over the edge. She spirals into this descent of uh, madness and disorientation and rage and uh, eventually, it, it ends badly for her. That's all I'm going to say. There's a, there's a murder mystery element to it. 
what I thought the film did badly was that given it's a murder mystery, given there's all of this, what should be typical thriller element just naturally woven into the story and the plot, it had none of that in the storytelling. It was nope. it was dramatic in the sense that there were big events that took place and there were some shocking revelations brought about, but it just wasn't thrilling. I didn't feel thrilled at any point. I didn't think this is tense or this is scary or this is sad or I'm really glad for it. And nothing like that at all throughout the whole film. Maybe it's because I'm mentally challenged in the same way, but I think it's more to do with the fact that the the writing in it or the way it was presented even, not necessarily the writing, but it just was it just lacked enthusiasm, it lacked excitement, just everything really. It just didn't didn't move me. I, I read this thing just after the film came out. Uh, you might know, you might not know, but the book is actually set in England. Is it? Yes, every day she gets the train down to Euston. See, that would make more sense because trains yeah. are ridden more in the UK. Yeah. So, but here's why, the thing. Why, why have a book that's set in England and you're right. going to make a film on it and you cast Emily Blunt, who's English, yeah. right. so, and so you set it in thing. America? And what's his face as well from uh, The Hobbit? Luke Evans. Luke Evans, yes, thank you. I suppose the problem is if you set it in England, all the trains would be on strike all the time. <laughs> yeah. See, so the thing is, right, so this, this, the book is set in England, and like I said, she gets on the train from, what I can't remember where, to Euston every day, and every, all this stuff kind of happens in England. And I read this thing, and somebody asked them, why did, somebody asked the guys that made the film, why did you set the film in America? Why did you move the film in America? And the, once you'd cut through all the bollocks... The general answer was, we started writing the screenplay before we'd read the book. <laughs> right. Which, which explains almost everything about this fucking film. It's just absolutely, you know, no preparation whatsoever in the what production the f- of this film. It just feels, it feels like it's been rushed out because Gone Girl done so well. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but every fucking trailer I've seen for this film relentlessly advertised like it's going to be the next Gone Girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it, yeah. And it was just, it, no. I mean, I, I know you, you weren't the biggest fan of Gone Girl, I mean, but I, I mean, I really, I loved it. And I went in wanting another one of that and really, really didn't get it. Well, Gone Girl, <laughs> for all its foibles, has memorable moments in it. I mean, I didn't enjoy the film, but I can still think back now and go crikey. <laughs> And and the thing about Gone Girl that I really liked actually was how well hidden its twist was. The trailer yep. was deliberately misleading because I went into that film yep. thinking, well, I've seen everything in the fucking trailer now, and then it was like, nope, I haven't. So that was that was yep. quite good. This was, I mean, it doesn't have the, it doesn't give everything away exactly in the trailer. It doesn't show the twist, although, oh mate, I was, I was horrified. Not by the twist or by the film, but when the twist is actually shown, yeah. there were people in the cinema laughing their asses off. Yeah, I'm sure. And I was like, no, guys, this this ain't funny, like, at all. This this is actually really horrific. Why are you laughing? The entire cinema was pissing themselves. A lot of the film, though, is set up to be about... Uh, uh, female representation of, of things, right? So yeah. 
it's domestic abuse, but it's the woman committing the domestic abuse. It's, you know, lies and deceit, but it's the woman who's doing it. It's not the man. It's like, but not in a way that you, you could, you could read into it that it would be a bit, you know, Stephen King-esque and all oh, women are evil kind of thing. You know what I mean? It, it's a, a guy who can't really write women very well is what I'm saying. Whereas actually yeah. it comes across as deliberately trying to um, subvert those societal kind of ingrained stereotypes. Um, yeah. And I think that was that was a good thing about it. But then, like, the twist, it doesn't... It doesn't undermine everything that it's undermining everything that it's been trying to build up, but it just feels like no, here's the twist, ta-da, drum roll please, yeah. kind of thing. And literally, you you may as well have a dude come on and say ta-da. Yeah. It was so so formulaic. I just, I was so disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't disappointed. Well, no, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. All it made me think was, it was a waste of time. And it yep. made me rue 2016 so far. We have had this conversation plenty of times on here, but 2016, just get your fucking act together, please. Um, yeah. Not happy. It's not going to get any better. No, Spotlight still yet to be beaten. And I know it was one of my like favourite films of all time now, but... I have I have high hopes for The Accountant in a couple of weeks. The Accountant may may pull it around. What's the new Derek France film? I have no idea who With Michael Fassbender in it. Uh, he's the guy who did Blue Valentine and The Place Beyond the Pines. I've got no idea. Anyway. Oh, I know the one you mean. Yeah. Not the, the, not the thing with the kid. Set in the, is it the 30s or 40s? Yeah, yeah. I know the one you yeah. mean. Yeah. I'm not watching that. No? That No, that I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> I genuinely, I watched a trailer for it the other day and I went, I'm not entirely sure I could handle watching that film. Mm. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so I'm not going to. I love, I love that guy's <laughs> previous two movies, so I'm uh, very excited for that if one. It's, but... If it's the one I'm thinking of, then no, I, I shan't be watching it. But, you know, I'm the guy that's quite excited for Jack Reacher too, as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't say that much. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there hasn't been... It's just not been a great year. It's just not. The Nice Guys, Spotlight, Room, maybe. Yeah. The Witch, it's Civil War, good... Deadpool, Green Room, Tale of Tales, Midnight Special, all of them varying degrees of good. None that I would sort of hold up and say, except for Spotlight, which was the last week of January. So it's just like it's not, just it can't end quick enough and have a new lot of films to work on. Yeah, but I mean, you start 2017 with Assassin's Creed. So. <laughs> Quite. I good. mean, I'm again, I'm excited for that, but there's no way that's starting the year off good. No. Okay. <laughs> Make them do something um, about it, Steve. Just yeah, I'll, tr- do I'll your try. Best. Yeah, get on that. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll bring the podcast to a close here, as that's all the films and that done. But we're going to do some recommendations for the week ahead. I'm going to go with Film 4 on Thursday at 9 o'clock, Life of Pi. Uh, Brooker? Uh, t- 10.45 on Saturday night on the Horror Channel is Clown. Uh, Eli Roth produced horror movie directed by the guy that's going to be directing the new Spider-Man film. <laughs> wow. That should be interesting. But the film's all right. It's dumb horror. I really liked it. Okay, Owen? It's topical as well, with all these clowns running around terrorising people at the minute. 
I would love to come across one because I would just get out of the car and fucking laugh at him. I would get out my camera <laughs> and, and try and interview them. Say, what's all this about? I'm doing a piece. What are you, <laughs> say, what are you doing with your life? Is this what it's come to? Mm. Just, just humiliate them. Yeah. And then make them go home, look in the mirror in their clown makeup and think, what, what am I doing with my life? Well, what we've had so far in the UK is people doing that, pulling, you know, just jumping out of bushes and going, boo, and going, you fucking what, mate? And chasing them off down the road. Whereas in America, they're yeah. actually chasing kids down the streets, wielding knives. They're chasing kids into woods. Yeah, that would be freaky. Yeah. Whereas over here, it's but just a I... bunch of drunk students, isn't it, really? I've seen far too many dodgy horror movies to be worried about clowns. Yeah, I know, I know. Right, you want a recommendation from me? Yeah, yeah, go on then. Okay, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm hearing relatively positive things about it. Uh, Mascots is the new Christopher Guest film that gets added to Netflix on the 13th of uh, October, so that's what, Thursday. Um, Guy Behind Spinal Tap and Best in Show... And this has people in it like Harry Shearer is back, you know, from The Simpsons and Spinal Tap, of course. Uh, we've got Ed Begley, uh, Bob Balaban is in it, uh, Christopher Guest is in it himself, Chris O'Dowd. So, you know, I'm I'm quietly optimistic for this one. Comedy just about, uh, what it says here, I look into the world of competitive mascots. So uh, I'm, I've got okay. my fingers crossed for this one. Yeah, so that's all for this week's podcast. Um Brooker, why don't you tell us about your um, new podcast quickly? Uh, so, Character Unlock is me and a good buddy of mine, John, who just sit and talk bollocks for an hour, a bit like we do with films, but for video games instead. Our first episode is up on the Falcritics feed to listen to, and we record our next episode tomorrow, so Tuesday, and hopefully have it up ready for the end of the week. Cool. And Owen, what are we doing next week? I'm not here. You aren't here, no. We've got uh, Matt Lambord stepping in to host and that will be with uh tony black will be joining us and brian plank and i believe we have a triple bill first one for a little while it is a triple bill of film franchises that stood should have stopped before reaching a trilogy nice and succinct wow okay yeah i think it's because inferno is out which is like the third dan brown thing i was like they should have stopped before it got to a first precisely so this is films, <laughs> franchises should have stopped before they reached film number three. Oh, that, that should be quite interesting. I'm quite looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, i have to get my thinking cap on for that one. Okay. So, yes, that's all for this week's Fail Credit Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Right, blah, 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 is it good? Yeah, it's all right, cool. <laughs> hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 